Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. It is March 30th. This is PFF Forecast, our last podcast of March. Feels like it's been it feels like it's been a whole year, maybe Jesus. two that have that have elapsed. Uh, but we got some fun stuff. We did another mock uh, today, so we're going to talk. We're going to run down, go through the whole mock. We're going to talk about Colin Cowherd's awesome list of top rosters in the NFL because that's what we're doing right now. It's talking about top things in the NFL. Um, and then we may have little uh, draft capital stuff at the end, if I can just say that word. And I have a good story for you, Eric, on the uh, on the Cincy away from home quarantine. Why? So nice. uh, let's rock. Eric, how you doing, brother? Are you alive over there? I'm doing pretty well. I had a weekend of coding, of watching the Tiger King, um, and then Can I get. Can I get what, how you ended up watching the Tiger King? Because you'll do just about anything to watch something you can gamble on. So for you to watch the Tiger King, I feel like that's a real departure. From the well, you know, I I have continued to gamble on NFL 2K or whatever it's called, Madden 2K, 2020, whatever it is, um, which is, you know, it passes the time. Um, but no, uh, my good friend, Sean, who moved here right before the the lockdown kept texting me telling me to watch the show uh my wife i think was on her last wits uh and uh and so we watched it together and it was amazing my wife is from a small town in in wisconsin uh there are amish people that are closer to her than like non-amish people i was gonna say normal people but like non-amish people and uh and so uh she was very amused by it me having so like i feel like i'm a lot closer to you on the dare i say culturally uh uh, uh aloof maybe i don't i don't know about the i'm closer to civilized to you as i am to like them of course but i do i did grow up in the midwest so it was sort of amusing to me uh you know the the entire thing really who do you think is the craziest person on that show? Oh, the woman, the woman, uh, Carol. Okay. Yeah. Hello. She's the, she's a nut job. Hey, you cute little cats and kittens. I thought about, <laughs> I thought about opening the podcast like that, but I just didn't think I'd be able to do it justice. So no, like, I, I decided not to. As somebody who like, cause, cause the thing is, it's not the outwardly crazy people that you got to be worried about. Right. Yes. It's the, yes. like, it's the pastor that like is, you know, how, how you doing everybody? That guy, that's the nut, nuts person. It's the woman who frankly was kind of a rocket when she was younger, growing up to be a like crazy, like, Hey, I'm an environmentalist, but now I'm a, you know, 
now now I'm just a, a grifter uh, when I'm older, but I don't look. She kind of looks crazy, but she doesn't look crazy. It, it's, um, yeah, I, that's the, the person that you got to worry about. The fact that her ex-husband or former deceased husband disappeared is Do super we even weird. know that, though? Right, right. The, <laughs> right. Maybe he's still living his best life. And then the fact that her now current husband is just like the most average normal person from that you'd expect to see in like yeah. random suburbia in like Virginia. The fact that he's her husband now is so weird. She is definitely the weirdest person. I do think the guy who thinks he's like an Indian God, Doc Annell, I believe is his name is, yeah. is right up there. It's definitely not Joe exotic. Joe exotic just has a meth problem and is gay. <laughs> and so like that makes him, you know, super unique. But, uh, but yeah, man, that that show is it combined. I, it combined everything, right? It combined like yeah, like you said, he's like crazy Hicks with like obviously like sprinkling in the gay thing, and then and then if, and then this woman here just like feeding her husband at tigers, tigers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's about <laughs> as crazy as like probably a whole season's worth of the NFL packed into just yeah. one. One, um, well, every once in a while, we're given a gift like that. Like, making of a murderer was totally true. Like, late 2015, I was still doing like data for us, and I like watched an entire one during a game. I watched an entire series during a game, and it was like, and that was only like a few miles away from where I lived. So it was like, oh, hey. Um, but yeah, every once in a while, we get like this like look into, uh, you know, leaning into the craziness that is in our country. And weirdly, we don't get any more sane. <laughs> that's the tricky thing is i'm watching this and I'm like wow these people are fucking out of their mind and then i'm also here like eating uncontrollably like in quarantine <laughs> and i'm not that much i'm not that much more sane um okay let's let's start with this because you sent this to me probably five minutes before we started recording just colin coward's top eight nfl rosters i'm going to list them out to you ravens are one Vikings are two, Niners are three, Chiefs are four, Chargers are five, the Browns are six, the Saints are seven, and the Steelers are eight. I think I already know your answer to this. Which one is the most ridiculous? If you turn that rating upside down and said the Vikings were the 31st best roster, it would make more sense than saying they're the second best roster. Yeah, I don't get that one. That, that, so the three, there are three that stick out to me here. The Vikings at number two is by far the most ridiculous. The Browns at six and the Steelers at eight, I think are borderline laughable being in the top 10. And I'm trying to figure out what his, because I didn't watch the segment, assuming he discussed this on his show. I'm trying to think about what his rationale is. Oh, I know what it is. I have COVID-19. I call, here's the thing about Colin Coward. He's super smart and he gets what he's doing. Like he has to do a show yeah. by himself for like multiple hours a day during coronavirus. So like, God help you. Yeah. Um, but how do you rationalize this? Cause he is also holds himself in high regard where like, I'm not going to just be hot take guy. Right. So is his rationale like quarterbacks and guards are all weighted equally. And I'm just, the Vikings are bad at guard too. Well, yeah, like they're bad every like the Viking like that that list makes sense if you ignore quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, and deep defensive back. 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough because <laughs> he's clearly not trying to do the eight best teams. Because if you're doing the eight best teams, obviously the Vikings aren't number two. And when you say best, you have to rate the quarterback higher. Yeah. So he's got to be doing. He's got to be thinking to himself, okay, which what are the, what do these have like almost if you went like position group by position group and you were like, okay, all things being equal, right? I I I don't understand how else you get this this list because the Chargers like right Tyrod sucks relative to the other quarterbacks on this list, but yeah. they have a really great roster everywhere else. Yeah, the Chargers aren't that offensive there. I mean, I know. <sighs> The only issue is that it's a question mark as to whether Anthony Lynn is good or offensive lines cheeks and like, I, I don't, you know, but they're not bad. They're not, a, they're not a, they're not a bottom 10 roster for sure. So it makes more sense that they're in the top 10 than they're in the bottom 10. I need, like the Vikings. Ex- I need someone to explain to me how the Vikings Browns and Steelers have a better roster than the Cowboys, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. By the way, I got a phone call. My phone is on silent. I ignored Chris Collinsworth's phone call. He just called me. Phone. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so he must be. He must want to get, get a hold of one of us. I'm guessing that Chris read an article about something mathematical and would like it explained to him. That's my guess. Or people are dragging our mock, and he is trying to oh, reel maybe. us in. Yeah, maybe. Uh, in which case, I'm glad we glad we ignored it. Um, which, which team is not on this list that's the most egregious? Because I think the Cowboys come to mind. Yeah. Um, Cowboys are a great roster. Like, uh, definitely offensively. Now, the tough thing is I'm sure he's not waiting offense more than defense, which makes it kind of a challenge because that's how we normally think. Um, who are some other ones that, that should be on this list? Uh, well, um, I think Tampa Bay. Yep. Tampa I Bay, mean, definitely. Tampa Bay's got a really good, uh, obviously, wide receiving core. Their offensive line's okay. Their defense is a lot better than people give them credit for. Um, oh, by the way, I, I wagered on the Atlanta Falcons in a simulated game. It, it worked out about as well as a real Falcons game. Uh, Falcons came that to my mind. Surprise me at all. But they, but they are a, uh, they're not a team in the top 10. Let me think. Um, Would Colts? you, here's a, Ooh, the Colts are interesting. So I think the two here are two that I think are on the borderline. The Colts and the Packers. Because I think the Packers, as much as they were fraudulently good with respect to their record, they do have a pretty well-rounded roster, right? Like I don't mm-hmm. is there really a part of their roster that you could be like, oh, that's below average? No. Uh some people would say quarterback, but you know, we are, we're not in that camp yet. I mean, he's not probably not, far. he might not be top 10 anymore, but he's certainly, uh, he's certainly top, uh, five or sorry, top, uh, 15. Um, try to think. <sighs> like, I think you make a case for the Colts. The problem with the Colts is you just don't know about the QB. What about, well, what about, yeah, but, but also uh, Eric, their receivers kind of suck. Yeah. It's not like their coverage is great. You know, he, so here's the thing. We'll give him crap for the Vikings because it is egregious, but egregious at two specifically. Yeah, but he, um, but he's hitting on something. So you think, okay, let's think about the NFC West, which we, uh, we think of as a tough division. Seattle's roster top to bottom isn't that good. Uh, Arizona, I I, Arizona's roster top to bottom still isn't all that good. Uh, yeah. San Francisco's on this list as they should be. The Los Angeles Rams roster is an atrocity at this point. Um, 
So, you know, you can't, you know, so you pick one out of that division. He picked the right team in the Niners, the AFC West. I think the Chargers and the Chiefs both deserve to be here in Las Vegas and Denver don't. Uh, the AFC South, um, you know, that division, I mean, maybe Tennessee, but their defense is horrible. So I don't, yes. I, I'm not offended by no a- AFC South teams. Um, AFC East, New England's tearing it down. Buffalo probably deserves to be on here. I mean, if the Ooh, Buffalo's a good call, if the, if the Vikings are on here, the Buffalo bills, the Buffalo bills are better than the Vikings and at everything except for quarterback. Um, okay. Let's, let's do, let's do our top eight. Okay. Uh, you, go ahead. I, I would, I would go, uh, I would still go with the Ravens at one for sure. Yep. I would go. This one is tricky. So I, I'm inclined to go chiefs at two. Yeah. You but don't I have think, to though. Go Niners. But, well, but here's the thing. I think all things being equal, right. It's hard for us to not overweight Mahomes. Yep. And so, head coach. I think, I think Reed is slightly better than Shannon. Agree. Agree. Uh, so let's go Niners two. And Would then you go Chiefs, Chiefs three. three. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, I, think, I think Buffalo is four for me. Really? Mm-hmm. Where's Buffalo weak besides QB? I guess the receivers now are pretty strong. Their coverage is above average. They rush yeah. the passer really well. Or they, yeah. they have good pass and they have And their coach is good. And their offensive line's fine. Hey, Bill's Mafia, I, we're giving you some love. I have a hard time going with them over the Saints. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. The Saints don't have a whole lot of weaknesses. So let's go Saints four. But I think you can make the case for Buffalo at five. Mm-hmm. Um, now, here's an interesting one. Would you put the Chargers, the Cowboys, or the Bucks next? I think those are the three. Well, I think Cowboys are clearly next, especially, I mean, so? lo- Losing Jones is tough, but it's hard to get, especially if we're downweighing quarterback a little bit, it's tough to get better than that offensive line, even without Frederick. Um, uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, they lose Jason Witten, which is addition by subtraction. Um, The defensive line is pretty stout. Their linebackers should rebound this year, and they're pretty good in this. Well, they're not pretty good in the secondary, but they got ha-ha Clinton Dix, and they did lose Jones. This is showing sort of, how if you're the Niners, Chiefs, Ravens, if you're a young team with a good roster, you, if you don't fuck up the next 10 years, you're going to have a pretty good go of it. Yeah. It's sort of hard to find teams that are worthy that don't have okay. significant flaws. But I go Dallas here. Now, would you go Chargers or Bucks next? Bucks. Okay. I'm with you there because I think the quarterback is clearly better. And I think um, actually all the other things are pretty, pretty similar. Yeah, the Chargers honest. have a better secondary, but the Bucks aren't that far behind, and they have draft picks. You know, true. Up. I they, mean, but the char- but the Chargers do as well. So the Chargers yeah. are six coming in. I, I would go with the Chargers after them. So what do we have? Yeah. We have one spot left. Yeah. Who would you go with number eight? <sighs> um, would you put the fight? Would you put your Vikings? No, in I. They're not my fight. Uh <sighs> I actually don't hate the Browns. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think I can get on board with that too, actually. Because um, the Browns offensive line, they got um, uh, Conklin. They're probably going to take a tackle in the first round, whatever. Baker's a pretty good quarterback that I think people are going to sleep on this year. 
Hunt, mm-hmm. Hunt and, and Chubb are like, honestly, Hunt and Chubb are like running backs that actually, in my opinion, if any running backs move the needle in the NFL, it's those two. Uh, yep. Beckham, Beckham and uh, Landry. And Landry are very good. They have Njoku, yep. they have Hooper. They have, they have um, a good good draft pick coming in. Miles Garrett's the number now. one overall pick. He's pretty damn good. Denzel Ward's Ward. good. Uh, Greedy Williams is good. Like, there's not a whole lot. Like, honestly, Freddie Kitchens really fucked that up because it was a like, pretty good roster. Nope. I think that speaks volumes. Um, the, the big thing that I kind of took away from this is that if you're Cam Newton, like, you are praying that the Chargers say, Come hey, to their man. senses. Yeah, because, yeah. like, the, the only thing here that is shocking to me in doing this is that you have a team, all of these teams have above average quarterbacks to average. I mean, you know, the Browns are the, and the Bills are a little iffy, but they at least have a quarterback in place. Uh-huh. You don't have top eight rosters out there that are just like, hey, we need a quarterback, you know? So mm-hmm. the, the, the Cam Newton obviously has got to be hoping the Chargers give him a chance. And then secondarily, Justin Herbert's got to be like, please, God, you know, please let yeah. it be. Please let it be the Chargers. Um, well, and what this shows is, I, as I said, we're going to talk about this when we talk about our mock draft. But, you know, I think the Chiefs and the Ravens are going to be here for a while. The you know, I think there's a lot more certainty in Patrick Mahomes than there is Lamar Jackson. But let's be real, the the, the Ravens, if they're good, are going to hang on to it longer than anybody in the league. This, this is in a very important offseason for the San Francisco 49ers because they currently have the league by at least the NFC by the balls. And if they don't, uh, if they don't screw it up, they could have you know they it could be like it was in the 80s or 90s for them where they're always in it because they have a great coach they have a good team with good coach you know with a good front office and you know if they're smart about it they could be a pretty solid team for a long time that's a good point all right analytics mock people are already very angry about this here's what we're going to do we introduce trades so we have a couple of trades um uh, we have a trade slash trade scenario or two that we'll talk about. Um, also, I'm already getting very annoyed by these uh, headphones. My AirPods are just like not working. And it's uh, shockingly, it's driving me insane. Um, we're going to go five picks at a time. We'll spend a couple of minutes on each kind of set of five. You can go to pff.com and read the rationale for all of these and read about the methodology. But real quick, the one thing that keeps coming up is, oh, the NFL draft will never look like this. You guys are idiots. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to predict what would or what will actually happen. It's to say what we would yeah. do if we were making each pick. So that's a very important delineation. We'll start it off. Bengals keep the first pick. They go Joe Burrow. At two, we have Miami trading with Washington. We have them trading 5, 18, and 39 for number two. They take Tua. Number three, the Lions stay there. They take Okuda, cornerback from Ohio State. And number four, this is a pick that maybe more people got mad about than anything else, which is Henry Ruggs going to the Giants at four. And then at five, Washington moved back and they take Chase Young. Um, big, t- big takeaways from the top five. Uh, remember two years ago when we all thought Tampa Bay was going to take Derwin James and they traded out of the seventh pick and we thought they were idiots and then Derwin James is still there for them at 11 or 12? Yep. And they still took Vita Vea. Um, this is, I said, sometimes things work out, right? Because there could be, a, I, I don't think Chase Young gets to five in, in the real NFL, but 
um, you know, sometimes, you know, teams value things differently and you can often get Chase Young, you know, deeper uh, in, in the draft. And, and this, that's what happens here. I, I, I like that. And I think that, you know, there's a non-zero chance that it happens. So the, the Miami pick or Miami trading up with Washington, the other side of it is also really interesting because they are in a position where I don't think next year they have a chance to make this jump. They have too good of a team and are in too bad of a division. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to allow them to go two and, and 14 if we play 16 games next year. So this is almost their chance to like their only chance, right? And, and part of it is also that they're in a position where Washington is looking for an excuse to keep Dwayne Haskins as their quarterback. So to me, it's the perfect storm for Miami to move up and grab Tua because the team in two is not dying to get a quarterback. Whereas next year, you may have a team that actually gets the number two overall pick that is like, hey, come hell or high water, we're taking Lawrence or Fields toward whoever else is there. Right. Uh, you know, 2016 was that way where the the um, Rams and uh, Eagles had to, you know, trade a decent amount to move up to that spot. Those two spots, uh, 2015 was that way as well. So, yeah, at this point in time, cherish the, the opportunity um, where, you know, the second pick is going to be, you know, could go either way. And you do have some bargaining power, right? Uh, you know, yeah. when you say, well, we'll keep the pick and do this type of thing. Um, you know, especially when you have a quarterback in, in your back pocket in, in Dwayne Haskins. Uh, so, yeah, they get some value here. We got them at 5, 18, and 39. Um, and, you know, they're not a very good team. Think- the, Alex, the Alex Smith contract really hurt them. Uh, you know, they're paying him a lot of money not to play right now. And so they need some if cheap they young move talent. Up, you think if they actually move up to two, that that assortment of picks will get it done? Uh, if they move, if Miami does, yeah. Oh, I think so. I mean, five to two is not, is not that much. Yeah. I I think there are some people that might be like, wow, you only, you know, you only had to give that up. But, um, I was initially like that and I came around. I want to say one thing about 39 is like a first round pick almost anyway. True. True. I want to say one thing about the giants at four, because this is driving people insane. If you want to disagree with this pick, and you want to do so because you are like, you're idiots because you think a receiver is more valuable than an edge player, then you should go watch some football. You should learn a few things about how math works and like actually try and read some of the literature about this. And I'm not trying to sound like a total douchebag here, but like you're just being, you're just parroting an old narrative if that's your argument. If you want to argue with this pick, I think it's perfectly fine for you to go, hey, I, I actually think Henry, uh, Jerry Judy is far better than – or is better than Henry Ruggs. Or I think CeeDee Lamb is better than both Alabama guys. Because yep. those, there's, those are close. We went with the one that projected the best by a very small margin. I have no problem with you arguing about Jerry Judy versus Henry Ruggs. I think that's a really interesting conversation. But if you want to come in here – yelling and ranting and raving about how valuable the edge position is in the year 2020, just shut the fuck up. You're an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great, but it, but it's one of those, again, I think with the wide receiver spot, there are some situations where I think Judy is better. Lamb is better, but it's a styles make fight type of thing. 
And currently the San, the I almost said San Francisco Giants, the New York Giants um, need a deep threat, right? The one that the you know, rugs represents. And I think at that particular spot, what you do when you give Daniel Jones as wide and as varied of an offense as you're going to give him here is you is you give him no excuses. The worst thing the New York the worst thing that can happen in New York Giants this year. I can't stress this enough is the 2018 Bears or the 2019 uh, uh, Bills, right? Like the worst thing that can happen is you draft, uh, you know, Chase Young, he gets 20 sacks, and then you go nine and seven and make the playoffs, and then he falls short in one game, and you spend an entire offseason, you know, saying, well, we don't really know that much. We need to get another year out of Daniel. No, like, no, like fail quickly or find out he's a good quarterback. Do it quickly, though. Yep. Uh, I mean, you're going to give up Justin Fields. uh, Oh, you're, um, you're dead on. All right, here we go. Uh, six, six through ten. Three. So the Chargers uh, go with – we haven't taken Jerry Judy because they signed uh, Balaga. We have the Panthers at seven, taking Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Eight, the Cardinals. Now they have Hopkins. They go Tristan Wirfs. Jacksonville at nine. They go Andrew Thomas. And then ten, Cleveland takes uh, Josh Jones. Thoughts on those five? No, I think all these tackles are good, um, good positions. You know, it's it's a spot of need for a lot of teams. But the Judy to the Chargers thing makes too much sense. Mike Williams is, you know, teetering on whether or not he's going to be a player that they consider working out. They got him at seven uh, a couple of years ago. Keenan Allen's a guy who's awesome but doesn't stay healthy all that much. They got Bulaga to play tackle. So, you know, you, again, it's the same thing with anything. You give – Tyrod Taylor or whomever is the quarterback there as good of a chance as any. We don't like Herbert or Love or any of the uh, ter- secondary tertiary quarterbacks. So go with the most important position there. Try to lean in. Try to compete with Kansas City. This is my big takeaway from this group. And it's a Chargers takeaway just like yours. Would you rather have the current Chargers team with Cam Newton and Jerry Judy or the current Chargers team with Justin Herbert? Uh, it's it's not close. It's not even remotely close. So uh, to me, this is a, this is a no brainer. Um, and, and really the, everything else I think is pretty much, um, as you would expect with the tackles going one after another. I don't know. I didn't know there were people outside, but apparently, uh, they're committing crimes here in DC. So, uh, now that the <laughs> now that the science has subsided, I actually think that could have been um, that could have been uh, either Pence or Trump because uh, I'm here on 16th and um, it's a straight shot down to the White House one way and like up to where Pence lives, which is the Naval Observatory, the other way. So like we get this all the time. Um, anyways, I digress. 11 through six, uh, 11 through 15, Jets. Go C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, Oklahoma. Vegas Raiders, Christian Fulton, cornerback, LSU. The Niners from the Indianapolis Colts take Jalen Rager, wide receiver, TCU. Tampa Bay goes Grant Delpit, safety from LSU. And then at 15, the Denver Broncos go LaVishka Chenault instead of uh, Justin Jefferson, who we have been taking last time, wide receiver from Colorado. Uh, Thoughts here? Well, I think uh, positional value reigns supreme here with uh, all players playing away from the ball. Um, so, you know, I, I think the best pick here, I mean, honestly, Tampa Bay, we talked about a team that like 
not a terrible amount of holes. Uh, they get a safety here where they've really struggled in the past few years. And, and Delp, it's a player who, you know, you look at his like pass breakup rates pretty high. Um, you know, he just, you know, his projections, you know, have him making a lot of plays on the football, you know, decent comps like Devin McCourty and Earl Thomas, which is really uh, good to see. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I can't complain anything here. San Francisco gets a wide receiver when I know we discussed possibly cornerback uh, quite a bit to them. Yeah. The, uh, the thing that I wanted to talk about was um, we had a pretty long spirited debate uh, about the, for, the 49ers in this pick. And in the actual draft, I would not be surprised if one of CD lamb, Jerry Judy and, and, or, and or Henry Ruggs is available, which is amazing, right? Because you get one of those top three guys. And you figure if those guys are gone, well, then you're going to look to a different, um, to a different spot like cornerback. But I actually figure if you go, if you say, hey, we need to come away with a wide receiver, going with Jalen Rager here gives you a much better chance at having a receiver that you feel confident can play. Whereas if you wait all the way to 31, at least in our mock draft, where we're always the GM, we're going to value wide receiver highly. So that guy isn't going to be there later. Yeah. You better take him now. In the grand scheme of things, it could very well be the case that if those three guys are gone, those top three, you do take cornerback and you wait on a receiver and you still get a good one. Yeah, I think this this reigns a little bit more true if Sanders stays in San Francisco. But as yep. a current or Dante Pettis have been somebody that Shanahan didn't, completely, didn't completely hate. Well, you you're a big you you like Kyle Shanahan quite a bit, so you're going to defer. I think I think Pettis is a playable player. I don't understand, you know, why he wasn't playing over Kendrick Bourne, for example, um, which doesn't make. But he's not obviously somebody that Shanahan trusts, so they they're they're not particularly deep at wide receiver. So it is important for them to get one because Jimmy G is a quarterback that I think is very dependent on circumstances. That being said the Niners defense emerged last season because coverage was good, it, you know, and it really supplemented what was already a great pass rush. You take away Buckner, um, you add in a little noise, namely Sherman is a lot, you know, a year older and there's a chance that their coverage goes down next year, even with the same cast of characters. And that's good, really a the good risk. chance there's a, yeah. And that's the risk you want to avoid if you're San Francisco and you want to be proactive about it. You don't want to have to trade, Let's say you don't want to have to trade a second round pick in the middle of the season for a defensive back who's disgruntled because, you know, you're just not going to get a good price for that player at the time. Um, you know, you want to be the type of team that has like I, I, I make fun of the Vikings a lot, but I do think like the Mike Hughes draft pick was a really good draft pick. You know, they had Waynes, they had Alexander, they had Rhodes. And, you know, as bad as their defense was, fundamentally compared to 2017 they were still a top 10 defense in every metric because they had some anti-fragility built in there with some player young players that were ready to step up um if the Niners you know and the Niners had some of it last year with Mosley it, it the question becomes do you how, how thin do you want to be there and how much do you want to stockpile because I do think defense is still going to be their identity the interesting thing about it though is the Niners are and Kyle Shanahan in particular, who you just kind of besmirched his good name. And I, I will not, I will not tolerate it. I think he has a very good reason for not wanting to play Dante Pettis um, is that they, he is an offensive coach 
And so they need, as you said, an offensive environment that will allow him to do what he wants to do. And Kendrick Bourne is wide receiver too, just does not, does not do that. So Jalen Rager is a guy who can stretch the field. He can do a lot of different things that I think will enhance Shanahan's system. Like what Debo Samuel did, right? He could do so many different things. And it was all, it, it, it felt weird putting LaVishka Chenault in there because he's very similar to Debo Samuel. But I think it's the same kind of thing. You get a player that's in there that can do a lot of different things, and that will allow Shanahan uh, to get the most out of them. Okay, uh, 16 through 20, the Atlanta Falcons. I think they might actually listen to us this time. I, I actually have faith. They took a cornerback. They took C.J. Henderson from Florida. Dallas at 17 takes your guy, Trayvon Diggs. Washington, now with this pick from Miami at 18, takes Ebra Cleveland off to tackle from Boise State. At 19, the Vegas Raiders take Justin Jefferson, wide receiver LSU. And then at 20, the talent bereft Jacksonville Jaguars take Jeff Gladney, cornerback, TCU. The thing that stuck out to me here was both the Cowboys and the Falcons being teams that they are really good rosters. They're up here in the draft, and they get players of tremendous value at the cornerback position. I, I really liked both those picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is great in terms of, you know, Atlanta needs to rebuild their defense. They already got rid of Desmond Trufant. Ryan Poole was actually pretty good for the Jets last year. He, he was let go. Um, and, you know, Isaiah Oliver hasn't been the player that they wanted, uh, you know, as a higher round pick. So just, you know, re, replenish. Uh, Dallas, the same thing. Dallas, really, if you look at that roster, cornerback's a huge need, uh, and they haven't done a ton there uh, since losing Byron Jones. So that's a there probably shouldn't be done with this pick at the position. Um, you know, the one the one pick I like the most is Justin Jefferson, though. I think Jefferson's the kind of player that when um, you know that when uh, the Vegas Raiders like become good when they have a quarterback like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence in the future, Jefferson's going to be huge. Uh, you know, value add to that team uh, as a player from the slot. Uh, you know, they can hit, hit defenses with him and Darren Waller. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to be a huge boost for them. Yeah, we actually consider Jefferson higher up because he was so good last year. And the question for me with him is that the dude was lined up out wide five full times last year. Like a thousand times he played a snap yeah. on the field and five times he was out wide. So he's a slot only guy. and or at least you can't really make a projection on him out playing outside wide receiver. You just know nothing about that. So, um, so you put him only in the slot and there the value above replacement, I think diminishes because so much of that is just the slot is easier to do well in because of the inability to put tight coverage on guys in the slot um, as frequently as you'd like. All right. 21 through 25, the Philadelphia Eagles take Denzel Mims, Sam Monson's boy, wide receiver from Baylor. Your, formerly your Minnesota Vikings, with the pick that they get from the Stephon Diggs trade, takes Stephon Diggs. Oh, no, I mean um, T. Higgins. Sorry, Diggs not available in this draft, unfortunately, for Minnesota. Um, T. Higgins, wide receiver, Clemson. The Patriots, uh, we wanted to trade down for them um the tough thing is that we're also the gm of the other teams so like we're not going to trade up (laughs) to not take a quarterback uh so they take ashton davis safety from cal new orleans we go chase claypool wide receiver slash tight end notre dame uh and then minnesota with another pick in this group takes cameron dancer cornerback mississippi state your thoughts 
Yeah, I mean, the Vikings get the corner and the wide receiver that they, you know, didn't need a month ago and now need, you know, like they need to breathe. Um, Dantzler's slower, obviously, but he did compete well in the, in the uh, SEC. Zimmer likes those big, tall corners. I'm uh, interested to see if the Vikings struggle this year and they have to go to a new regime post-Zimmer, whether Dantzler will be that type of player who, like, is very scheme-dependent, moves around the league only to schemes that will, like, accentuate his abilities. But for now... Uh, I like the New England pick of Ashton Davis because, you know, they just got rid of Deron Harmon and, you know, Davis sort of is that really prototype deep safety. So that's a pretty good uh, selection, I think, for them. The Eagles pick was one that was very interesting because Jason Peters is still out there. Who knows if he ends up coming back, but if he doesn't, you know, are they, they're going to put Andre Dillard in their left tackle, I presume. But that's a question mark, right? He, you know, you assume they think highly of him. They took him in the first round and traded up to get him, but he did not perform incredibly well in his one stint last year. So that's a question mark. But the biggest question mark by far is wide receiver. And the fact that they have like no speed at wide receiver, no athletes there. Denzel Mims is one of the most athletic guys there and showed that he can run a pretty diverse route tree with his work at the Senior Bowl. This to me is a pick that kind of has the chance to elevate you know, this team dramatically, um, given the value of the position. So that was my favorite pick out of this group. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's it's not bad. The Eagles, I watched their all for nothing this weekend. And it was like, oh my God, they were really going out there with JJ Ortega Whiteside and Greg Ward. Ridiculous. Was that better or worse than uh, Tiger King? Uh, Worse, but because Tiger King was just so amazing. It's so good. (laughs) I can't can't get over how crazy it is. Um, All right, 26 through 30. Miami at 26 takes Jack Driscoll, tackle from Auburn. 27, another uh, switch up here. The Seattle Seahawks take Kenny Robinson Jr., cornerback uh, from the XFL. uh, Sorry, safety from the XFL, formerly West Virginia. Uh, Baltimore takes Curtis Weaver, edge from Boise State. At 29, the Titans take Matt Pert. Uh, offensive tackle from UConn and at 30 a guy that we didn't have in uh, our original mock our version one but now gets bumped in because we have one more offensive tackle being taken is a guy that a lot of people really love as like offensive tackle one two three or four Jedrick Wills uh, from Alabama Um, what, what stuck out to you here I'm assuming it's Kenny Robinson yeah I mean as you know I'm a you know pretty big junkie with respect to the XFL I, you know, everybody's saying, you know, he left the, a couple years early from West Virginia, was not eligible for last year's draft, um, wanted to transfer. Uh, I think he had some issues academically at, at West Virginia. Um, instead of actually transferring, he just went back and, and take, took care of his you know, mom who had cancer and then joined the XFL St. Louis Battlehawks intercepted two of the eight passes into his coverage, uh, broke up, I think one or two more. Uh, you know, really, you know, flew around the field. Projections looked really good as well. Um, and I honestly, to, to be you know, frank, we just didn't simply have him in the original list of draftable players uh, until this came up. Uh, and then once we inserted him, he you know, looked extremely good. And, you know, deep safety is a position that every team, I think, could benefit from. Uh, and here specifically, uh, you know, with the um, uh, Seattle Seahawks. This was maybe my favorite pick of the whole draft because – we just watched the Seattle uh, New England Patriots uh, Super Bowl from 2014. And what really stuck out to me about that game was how 
that Seattle team was built around their ability to just stifle the opposing team's passing attack because of their tremendous coverage. And Earl Thomas was such a playmaker on the back end for them. Having a guy that can make plays at somewhere near that level is what they have been looking for for quite some time, you know, since Earl Thomas left. And so this to me is a wonderful pick for them, a tremendous value, you know, at 27, you just don't expect to be able to get a guy that could potentially impact um, your coverage in that way. And I think his, you know, people will be more leery of picking a guy like this because right now with the coronavirus situation, you aren't, you aren't able to gather as much information on these guys. So I think someone that's less known um, who's played in the XFL, like he's kind of bounced all over, teams will be reticent to take. I could actually see Seattle being super into a guy with this kind of a background, and this yeah. kind of a story uh, more than other teams. And he's not, he's not older in that sense. It's just that he right. played his last year in the XFL where he could have played. And so he was getting, I mean, the XFL coaching, you know, somewhere between good and bad, but like, but, you know, different than college. 31 and 32, uh, the Super Bowl rematch. The San Francisco 49ers take Jalen Johnson, cornerback from Utah, and your Kansas City Chiefs, uh, as they did in our first mock draft, take Davion Taylor, a linebacker from Colorado. So the Niners here, they go wide receiver at 13. They get a guy that our projections really, really like, um, that I remember Mike Renner talking about well over a year ago when he was prepping for last year's draft. Rager was someone that he really, really liked. And then Jalen Johnson is a guy who you think about how the Niners kind of continued their dominance despite, you know, kind of glitches in the system. Like Akella Witherspoon keeps the, the Vikings in the game in that uh, NFC divisional for right. a quarter and a half. And Emmanuel Mosley, you don't expect Emmanuel Mosley to come in and just be a shutdown corner. But sometimes things work out for you. The thing with coverage is that it's so unstable that Emmanuel Mosley could come in next year and be, be below replacement level. And we shouldn't bat an eye because that's just something that is so volatile. So a guy like Jalen Johnson, who allowed a pass rating of under 60 throughout his career at Utah, um, a guy that was comp to William Jackson, the third by, by Mike Renner, who does not like, he doesn't throw comps around lightly. So to me, that made, that meant something to me. Um, a really w- strong first round for my 49ers. Yeah, it, well, that's the thing is is if you're bullish on some of these corners lower in the in the first round, then the San Francisco 49ers approach is a good one because you know if you can get a guy who's William Jackson like and have him play sparingly early on and then eventually move into a starting role, or you know, heaven forbid, Richard Sherman decline a little bit and you know he takes snaps off of him, it's great that you have a player with a pedigree to do that, and and that's again. Uh, you know, what the smart teams do, um, you know, Cincinnati when Zimmer was the DC and Marvin Lewis was the head, that's what they did. They drafted a corner seemingly every year in the first round. Uh, and then, you know, the Vikings did it uh, for a few years in a row. And, um, you know, it, it, and that's kind of how you, you know, if you want to sustain good defense, you either get lucky with injuries or you are intentional about it. And this looks an intentional pick for the 49ers. What's interesting is, so comparing and I think maybe this is how we close things out uh, for this pod is thinking about how our mock draft is going to be so different from what actually happens and where those advantages can be had. And then this is actually one where I think this can happen. I have seen multiple people talk about 
hey, maybe you take Christian Fulton at the end of the first round. You know, maybe the Chiefs take him instead of running back and get kind of crazy with it. If if that's really something that is possible, like Christian Fulton is not he's not Jeff Okuda, but he's at least squeaking into that tier. And then there's a pretty decent drop off. If that's the case that he's really falling to the bottom of the first round, then the Niners approach of going receiver corner. I'll be sans shirt and pants by the time we close out round round one, if that's the case. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when you're a team, there's not a whole lot of opportunity in this draft because the teams are all in our opinion, acting optimally, but where the opportunity hits is when the Raiders take Josh Jacobs at 24 or the Vikings take Garrett Bradbury at whatever 20 or 19 or wherever they took him last year. Um, and and if you're a fan of a team that you trust to do the right thing, that's a great thing. That's an opportunity uh, to have a pretty good, um, uh, you know, to have a pretty good draft. I, I also think, um, you know, that the place where we're going to be super different from, you know, the the overall what actually happens is at the top, right? Like with the you know us taking a wide receiver at four, and I got I got pretty riled up you know, calling people um, idiots for not, you know, for arguing with us about edge versus receiver. I understand that that's a long thought of opinion, right? That edge is just so much more valuable than receiver. Um, But I would expect, I would challenge people to think about this more critically. Like conventional wisdom gets proven ridiculous and is often thought of many years later as being ridiculous. Be, you know, be on the forefront instead of just following along with what's been said for 50 years. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Nick Bosa had a great impact on the San Francisco 49ers, but he had less of one than Debo Samuel did. Uh, And, you know, Miles Garrett, the Browns have never had a winning season despite drafting him first overall in the, in the year that other teams got Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, J- J- Jadavion Clowney hasn't won anything in his career. You know, <laughs> you know, you, you sort of think about it, and I mean, Khalil Mack. You, you got it. Well, Khalil Mack's never won anything in his career. The the thing about it is, you have to solve the pro- solve the the important problems first, and and once you're done with that, maintain. Right. So again, we're talking about the Niners. They just got rid of DeForest Buckner, and we're talking we're talking about them maintaining a good secondary. Right. Maintenance in that spot and then splurge on the, you know, the other positions, right. That can take you from great to very, you know, great to best, right. Don't, don't, you know, it, it, don't lose the forest with the trees here. If you don't have a quarterback or you don't know if your quarterback's any good, then it's time to, it's time to invest in that player. Uh, and, and I think a wide receiver high does that. And, and for a defense, invest, if you have a, a tip top edge player, invest in that edge player by getting him coverage players. Oh, it's a great point. And um, it's one that I think people will just continue to make fun of us for. And honestly, here's my opinion. If you put something out that has a, is a strong opinion, uh, whether it's data backed or not, uh, and you get a bunch of people agreeing with you and not very many thinking you're crazy, you're, you're probably wrong. Like that you're probably dead wrong. So um, it actually kind of makes me feel good that there are so many people with uh, giants in their bio or their handle that, that really hate this pick. Well, you know, like I said, it'll be one of those things where if Daniel Jones doesn't take off, they'll be complaining that they didn't get a wide receiver in a, I mean, here's the question. Here's the question. 
where would Sammy Watkins be if he were in the free agency pool right now at wide receiver? Oh, it's a really good question. Um, Because I could see it both ways. I could see some team drastically overpaying him because of two plays that they saw. Yep. Um, but I also, also his talent. Him. Sure, but it's been a while. You know, like it's not. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Do you think someone would sign him ahead of Robbie Anderson? Right. So my friend Seren Petro asked me on the air, "What you know? What's holding them up? Why is why haven't the Chiefs agreed to either cut Sammy Watkins or?" Uh, uh, restructure his contract. And I think that the Chiefs see value in Sammy Watkins. They kept him here. Um, and Watkins group sees, um, I think he's probably, he would have been the second highest paid behind Amari Cooper. And so currently, currently Watkins number is like 20 million, 19, 20 million, which is exactly the APY for Amari Cooper. And so Watkins camp, like there's no incentive for them to get anything done with Kansas City other than a hometown discount, right? And, you know, he could go. And so Giants fans are going to be like, well, why didn't we just sign a wide receiver? Why didn't we just sign a wide receiver? Why didn't we draft one the second round? It's like, no, the solution's right in front of you. If you sign a wide receiver, you're going to sign Sammy Watkins to be your number one. You really want that? Or you can draft Henry Ruggs at four, or Jerry Judy at four, or CD Lamb at four, and be happy. Or trade back and get them later. But, like, the, the solution's right there for you. And, and that's going to impact your team way better at for that price point than anything else. That's really interesting. I didn't even think about your boy, Sammy, but you're always thinking about Sammy because your dog's name is Sammy. So yeah, I guess there's that. Um, all right. So you can go to PFF.com and read about this. There's also a bunch of stuff that we link in here because you've written a ton of really, really insightful draft content. It is um, I think just about every other uh, you know guy on this list has a deep dive that you can read. Austin Gale's deep dive on Trayvon Diggs, really, really good and interesting. If you're a Dallas uh, Cowboys fan, I suggest you check that out. Um, I have a story. Uh, I have a very sad story for you to close this out. So as I told you, I have been lucky because uh, I'm here in DC and the apartment, my apartment building in Cincinnati, they've closed the gym. They've shut it down. They sent an angry email out saying, we noticed some missing gym equipment. If you could please return it uh, to the closed gym, we'd, we'd appreciate it. Jeepers. So uh, at my girlfriend's apartment building here in DC, they've kept the gym open with like spray bottles of the strongest antiseptic you can find and an endless supply of paper towels so that you can scrub everything down. They have a bunch of guidelines, but they've kept it open. So it's been great because I've been able to go and get like a facsimile of a decent workout in. Today, they have shut it down. And I just, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the guy outside on the sidewalk, like, you know, doing a hundred thousand air squats to try and get a workout. And I don't know what I'm, I'm going to be picking up like tree logs and trash cans. And why don't you just push? Tight. Why don't you do you and your girlfriend don't have a car though, right? Neither one of you. No. Or does yeah. she have one? She does not. Cause you could push a car, push a car. Oh, yeah. that'd be good. That'd be good. Um, I mean, we do have some friends in DC that that have motor vehicles, so I could potentially film myself becoming yeah. a top five offensive tackle prospect. My uh, workouts have have been very like prison, like the push ups, sit ups, and then the and then the walk around the uh, walk around the block. <laughs> trying, to, I'm trying to come out of here. I'm trying to come out of here like in better shape than beginning. I I think I, I, a few steps forward, a few steps back. We'll see. So I, there are a couple things that 
a couple takeaways that I have from this whole quarantine process that have triggered me particularly. The first one is the, oh, because we're all quarantined, you now really want to see me do like 15 push-ups, kind of shittily, and we've already talked about this. That one is awful. But the one that has really gotten me now is the Zoom or Skype or Slack or whatever it is, um, uh, happy hours. And then showing people that you're doing it. I, I just, I do, I could not give even the slightest fuck. And, <laughs> and what I think is funny about that is I think a lot of people are doing the same thing you're, you're saying, which is, oh, now that I'm quarantined, I'm going to become a chess grandmaster. I'm going to get in better shape, all these self-improvement things. And all they're really doing is having more happy hours. See, That's my I, rant. Yeah, I think so. But I, you know, this, like I said, we're trying to make light of this situation. It does suck. But the, the, I do think that it is a nice little reset button, right? Of some, for some, for some things. Um, but uh, I do think the majority, my thing, I was talking, I was talking about this with my friend the other day. And I said, you know, I think people, people are trying to cope in their own different ways, right? So far be it for me to like judge people, but it is funny how bad people are at pushups. It's, it's actually really (laughs) sad. I'm coping with it by, um, with, with three things, Tiger King, tequila, and ice cream. My three things are USFL games on YouTube. Oh my God. Gambling on Madden Sims and, uh, and push-ups. You didn't have an alcohol in there? Well, God, sad. see, but I'm trying to lose weight, George. I'm that's... trying to get more in shape, you know? Yeah. Are you we come that... out of this, we got to start playing basketball again. And I, you know. Well, I'll be ready because now the only thing I can do is go to the, go outside and sprint. Right, right, so. right. All right. That is our show. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll hopefully have the live stream going by then. Uh, big shout out to uh, our stand-in producer for the day, Mike Quinn, who's doing an excellent job. Yep. Stay, stay sane over there in prison, okay? <laughs> <laughs>